0: From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, records show that the Vermont Department of Motor Vehicles makes millions of dollars every year selling Vermonters' personal data. The DMV says this is a routine practice that's totally legal. But privacy advocates have raised questions about whether that access could be abused.
1: Yeah, so let's see what we got here. Armstrong Investigations and Consulting Service, LLC, out of Gilderland, New York. Boucher Private Investigations out of Montpelier, here in town. BlackRock Investigations Group. BoathistoryReport.com. Our
0: reporter, Xander Landon, has been looking into this practice.
1: Sensor Security, Inc. in Rutland. Carfax. You know Carfax.
0: Yeah, who doesn't? Dender, what is this list?
1: Yeah, so what I've got here is a list of the roughly... 750 companies that the state of Vermont, specifically the Vermont DMV, has approved to buy personal data of Vermont drivers since 2004. So it's everyone who's been approved. They've approved them. Have these people all gotten data? That, unfortunately, from this list, I do not know. What I do know is that these are all the people that the state has said, you're cleared to buy the personal data of Vermonters. And that data ranges from data that you know, they have when you submit a license application or uh, with the exception of your social security number. And then anything about you know, vehicle registration, anything about you know, the criminal history that they may have on file, your driving history. So you know, whether you've been stopped, you have traffic tickets... You have a DWI, you have points on your license or points against your license because of your driving history. So the DMV, you know, collects a lot of information about drivers in the state and they have a lot of information they, that they maintain and they also make a lot of money selling that information to private companies. How much money are we talking about? For the last three years or so, it's been about $4 million each year. You
0: met with officials from the Vermont DMV to talk about this practice. What did they tell you?
1: I talked to Michael Smith at the DMV. He's the operations manager there and he and he said that, you know, this is a an extremely common practice.
2: I don't, I don't sure. know all 50 states, but I have never heard and I've been to many conferences with all the states. I've never heard of any state that said, "No, we've locked everything down and we don't give it out."
1: All DMVs across the country sell the data that consumers and drivers give to them when they register their vehicles and and sign up to become licensed drivers in a state. It's a very common practice, and it's a practice that's set up under federal law.
2: So DPPA, Driver Privacy Protection Act, sets up various permissible uses for private information, right? right? And this is, so it's a federal law or whatever, and it sets up various different ones.
1: Federal law allows for... DMVs to sell this information and, you know, they're required in many cases to sell the information to companies like insurance firms, insurance companies, and trucking companies, and auto manufacturers. I mean, it's important in many cases, you know, think about, you know, cases where you have recalls of, of uh, vehicle parts.
2: You know, while well, the recall that says that your format's going to hold your gas pedal down seems rather serious, well, people wouldn't have found out about it. Think about the... T- Is it Takata airbags that were blowing up on people? That wouldn't have got, you know what I mean? Where you
1: have companies like Carfax that are doing sort of trying to make accurate reports about the state of a vehicle or a vehicle's history, they, they sort of rely on this information.
2: Right? So when you go buy a car, you, you run your Carfax. Yep, you you seen yep. the little car Fox or whatever on yep. TV, right? Yep. You know, so you run the VIN and say, okay, wait a minute, this thing's got a flood brand on it. I don't want to buy that. Yeah. These
1: are companies that rely on this information and DMVs have to give it to these companies. So they're inherently going to be, you know, making money from those sorts of companies. But where DMVs have a little more discretion is with other sorts of private companies. Like who? Well. One thing that's interesting is that there are about fifty private investigators on this list, private investigation firms that go to the DMV on a frequent basis to get information to investigate people so, on behalf of their clients.
2: So DPPA is set up with shall and may, right? Okay, so there's you know what the definition of shall and may sure. is. Shall is you're gonna, may is you don't have to. But you can if you want. So. There are sections that talk about shall and may. Shall, we shall provide to vehicle manufacturers and people that are going to send stuff on your safety recalls. That's a shall, right? And I believe the others that are listed in there are Mays. So- Private
1: investigators rely on the DMV to get information about, you know, where people they're looking into live. Wh- whether the people they're looking into have a criminal history. You know, there aren't that many um, big out-of-state companies that are on this list, but there are a few. There's Deloitte, which is a huge um, financial consulting firm. Yeah, you have Aristotle International Inc. here, which is a a company that, you know, self-identifies as a company that mines data to help political campaigns.
2: So so the DMV's position would be that the federal government has established regulations and we try to comply with them the best that we can. Um, When there is a may, we would exercise our judgment to say, do we believe this is an appropriate use or do we not, right?
1: The reason I think this is interesting and worth scrutiny is because I don't think that most Vermonters, when they walk into the DMV and sign up to become a licensed driver in the state or to register their vehicle, know necessarily that that information... Uh, is not only being maintained by the dmv but could be sold by the dmv to companies that request it now there are like i said strict standards and requirements they're not just going to sell it to anyone that asks but you know the fact that the dmv has a lot of personal information and they're profiting off of it is interesting A recent report in Vice News, you know, sort of highlighting how DMVs, you know, sell the information, particularly sell it to private investigators, that put this whole practice in the news again. And it's what inspired me to look into this
3: locally. I mean, every DMV that we got records back from was selling this data in some capacity. Some were selling it in bulk, others were focused on sales to individual entities or businesses. But very generally speaking, It seems to be pretty widespread.
0: This is Joseph Cox, the reporter who investigated this story for Vice.
3: This is a standard way for the DMV to generate revenue, even if the people, that is drivers, who provide the information in the first place aren't necessarily aware of it.
0: Joseph said there's a push underway to make changes to that federal law Mike Smith was talking about, the DPPA.
3: So when I spoke to someone from EPIC, a privacy activism group, they said that this is a federal law or one of federal laws that should be updated in 2019 with our renewed focus on privacy. Generally speaking, what they suggested was that the some of the exemptions could be taken out, um, specifically the private investigator one. It is one thing to be selling information for, you know, companies that need to recall vehicles that may be defective. That seems like a legitimate use case. It's another to be selling to private investigators who can then essentially do whatever they want with it.
0: His reporting revealed that in other states, DMVs have admitted that this level of access has led to abuse.
3: When we also spoke to DMVs earlier in the year, multiple agencies did confirm that the data has been abused and that they had to cut off entities. So it's not like this is a theoretical issue it is actually happening. Of course there are legitimate use cases of this data and it is being used legitimately, but there is still the risk and the apparent history of abuse there as well.
1: In response to it, Bernie Sanders, our senator, came out and called on DMVs to stop profiting off of data.
3: And He put it in the wider context of, you know, the internet's this amazing thing with connectivity, but there's the side effect of more and more data being available for sale and for purchase. We got similar responses from other senators as well, but then also digital privacy experts saying that yeah, this law needs to be changed. And it keeps coming back to the DPPA, this anachronistic federal statute, which just doesn't really sit with where we are in 2019 when it comes with um, privacy and the selling of data and how that data can be abused.
1: I talked to the ACLU about this, and, you know, they they basically said that the practice at a minimum
3: deserves a lot more
1: scrutiny, a lot more oversight and transparency. Mm -hmm. The public deserves to know about, you know, why and how the information is being used. That's their argument. And then I also called Susan Randall, who's a private investigator— who relies actively on this information, purchasing this information. And like I said, there are about 50 private investigators on this list. So, you know, I wanted to hear from one of them specifically. You know, why do you need this information? And she had a really, you know, interesting argument.
4: In my world, I believe that open government is good government. In other words, I I believe open access to information, anything that law enforcement and prosecutors are able to access, I believe that we should be able to access
1: She's, you know, talking about how she works for public defenders and criminal defense attorneys who, you know, as part of their work, they need to look into the credibility of witnesses called into court, for example, or, or the credibility of, you know, the case that a law enforcement officer or a prosecutor is making against a witness. And that, you know, requires the ability to investigate the people that are being called into court and, you know, the, the facts that law enforcement are bringing to the table.
4: The reason I get hired, so let's say you're accused of a crime and it's a state crime, either the Vermont State Police or local law enforcement will be working with the prosecutor. On our side, it'll be like you're you appointed a public defender from the state or a federal defender, or if you have money, you hire an attorney. They then hire me, so I sort of check and balance on what the police and the prosecutors are able to access. So I think just as as a civil liberties issue, it's really important for us to have access to the same information that the other branch of government has. In other words, you don't want to be you know, on the hot seat being accused of a crime and not able to then look into the witnesses that are testifying against you.
1: You know, the the overarching message that she kept saying is that law enforcement officers should not be the only people that have the ability to access this information that's kept by the government, that there needs to be some channel for an independent investigator, uh, an independent person to be able to come in and also be able to conduct independent investigations of these people
4: that said, do you have corrupt prosecutors that have access to everybody's information and and screw it up and go off the rails? And, you know, yeah, sure. (laughs) Like the wire. Yeah. You have (laughs) corrupt officials. Do you have like corrupt PIs that can like break all the rules and like get sanctioned and lose their license? Sure. But in my experience in the last 20 years, that's not, that's not what I see happening. I see people using it for the right reasons. And I'd actually like to see it not cost the average Joe, the middle class person that needs this information for their family court hearing, their you know criminal defense, not have to hire me to go drive there, park my car, go inside, wait in line. You know, it would be much better if you're like you're a licensed PI and you can get the information online the same way that law enforcement can. I mean, that's just a that's just an equity issue.
1: She compared a. Uh our system to the system in Russia. She said that she was recently overseas. She needed to look into something, a case in Russia, and how there, you know, there's no way to access this kind of information about people.
4: And the only people (laughs) that have access to anyone's information is like Putin's police. I mean, I was like, you're kidding me. Really? There's no database? There's no way that I can find where Sitlana's living in this apartment building and everybody's
1: And here at least there's a channel and it's a reg- and it's a highly regulated channel. You know, it's not like anyone or any private investigator for any reason can go in and use it. You have to have specific reasons. In her case, she's only investigating people that are involved in criminal or civil cases in court. And, you know, she also made the point that maybe it would be better if our information in general, private information, was kept private. But the world that we live in has already changed to the point where that's really not possible anymore.
4: The world that we're in right now, everybody's information is available all over the place to everybody. My point being, I think it's really, really dangerous to have only certain parts of our system have access to that information and not others. It's either all out there or it's not out there. And and there's no putting the horse back in the in the stall at this point. It's all out there.
1: Big tech companies have basically eroded the possibility of us ever attaining or reattaining true privacy anymore. And because of that, it makes no sense to sort of limit other actors like private investigators from accessing it. In fact, it's, it's only dangerous to cut off some sort of channel for the public or an independent actor to be able to access it.
0: But Joseph Cox, the vice reporter, said this change in how we look at personal data and privacy is exactly why the law that regulates DMV data is under new scrutiny.
3: When this law first came about uh, in 1994, we were in a much different place privacy-wise than we are today. So, I mean, we have even had stories like the Cambridge Analytica Facebook scandal where, you know, third parties were getting access to data without necessarily users' consent, that story would not have been around 10 years ago, in my opinion. I don't think journalists would have necessarily written it, and I don't think people would have probably really cared about it. Now that's happened, and after that we've seen a wave of more privacy-focused stories, which is not to say that you know journalists weren't covering privacy before that, but it's even more front of mind Now And we have politicians talking about it much more aggressively. It's a great time for professional activist groups have been on this issue as well. And this DMV story kind of fits into, in my opinion, this post Cambridge Analytica landscape of privacy people are paying much much more attention to this to even seemingly innocuous data such as your name physical address and maybe some contact information we're not talking about passwords we're not talking about um photos or social security numbers this is as far as it comes you know pretty basic biographical demographic data but it is still a privacy-centric story especially in 2019 Xander,
0: having dug into this for a couple weeks and found out a lot more detail about this, even though it's been going on for a long
1: time, what's your takeaway here? I think it's easy to look at this and, you know, raise questions about why, you know, why is the government selling personal information to companies, you know, private actors and sort of feel like that might not be a good thing. But I think that there are arguments, you know, to suggest that it's an important and essential practice. I think there are questions to be raised for certain privacy concerns, but there are also arguments that Susan Randall, the private investigator made that the, that the DMV officials made to say that, you know, this is a, an important channel for certain businesses and companies that rely on this information to receive it in a way that, you know, without the DMV, they wouldn't otherwise have it. It was interesting how Susan kind of
0: tied it to this broader conversation around data and how the world around data has changed. The way we think about data has changed.
1: I think that that's why, you know, I wanted to look into this, right? Because it's a given that Google and Facebook at this point, it's a given that they're using our information for profit for a variety of reasons that are driven by profit. And when you see that the state is making millions of dollars profiting off of our private information that, you know, inherently raises questions and that's why, you know, I looked into this. But I think there are, you know, a series of, arguments to be made for why this is an important practice. And I think, you know, Susan Randall, the private investigator, has a point in that we've reached a a point in our society where the information, our private information, is pretty much out the window. (laughs) I don't know if we're ever going to have the same privacy that we had, you know, in the 1990s uh, or even five or ten years ago. The information is likely already out there. That doesn't mean that I think the state should be profiting off of it. The argument has already been made by our one of our senators that this is an inappropriate use of our personal information. But it certainly isn't anything new. It's been going on for, for decades. It's legal. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. Got it. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me.
0: You can read Xander's full story on the Vermont DMV selling personal data this Sunday at vtdigger.org. We'll also post a link to Joseph Cox's story about DMVs around the country for Motherboard. That's Vice's tech news site. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Every Friday we go deep on one key story we've been following. You can find more episodes on our website or subscribe to The Deeper Dig in your phone's podcast app. That way you'll get new episodes downloaded to your device as soon as they're available. We used music this week by Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. We'll be off next week for the holiday, but we'll be back in December with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.